So this week is one of our last two weeks here in uh, Red Rock Point. And one of the last two weeks for 1310 Ministries. And I want to point that out uh, now because I just want you to know that, you know, it's been a real honor to be here. It's been wonderful spending the last two years in this place and getting to know residents and uh, being able to provide this for you guys and for everyone who's been joining us online. Um, and we've kind of reached the end of what we're able to do uh, for now. So we're moving into a new chapter of life and I think it's fitting. Here at the end of 2023, moving into a new year uh, that we are moving into new seasons into new uh, prospects and new adventures and new opportunities to uh, be blessed and to bless others uh, and to see what God has in store for us. And I think it's a fitting time to talk about that this week because it is closer and closer to Christmas. We're in the Advent season where we move into the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And this is a time of newness. This is a time of something new coming into the world in a way that, uh, that the people of God had not experienced before. Not that it, there are not cycles of newness in all of humanity, in all of being human, in all of our relationships with God. But as Christians, we celebrate Christmas and the birth of Jesus as a coming into the world of something new. We talk about new covenants. We talk about new hope. We talk about new relationships and new paradigms. We talk about the opening of people, of the people of God to all of the world. We talk about the redefining of this relationship with God, of our understanding of God, of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, of our understanding of salvation. All of these things are wrapped up in the gospel of Jesus. All of these things are wrapped up in our understanding of Jesus coming into the world as the Son of God and the 30 or so years that follow that and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the advent of, of the pouring out of the Spirit at Pentecost. The celebration of Christmas and the birth of Jesus is the beginning of these things. And so it's a wonderful time to talk about newness. There is a hope that comes in the birth of Jesus. There is a hope that we look back and we root in this event because we recognize it now as the ushering in of something good. We place a lot of hope as Christians in this event. Not merely because of what it did, but because of what it continues to do. What it continues to do in our lives as we ground ourselves in what we believe about the love of God made manifest in the Son. And there are plenty of passages that talk about other things. But at this time of year, we often come and meditate on the passages that talk about that love and that hope. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that Jesus emptied himself out of love, knowing that this was going to be for the benefit of all of creation. That all of creation awaits the reconciliation and redemption of humanity so that it too can celebrate with us in that redemption. All of these things are rooted in this event of the birth of Jesus. And it's important for us to remember that because the irony of this season is that it has become the opposite of what we often imagine it to be. We imagine ourselves in a time of hope and joy and community and connection with our fellow human beings. We imagine ourselves immersed in the hope of Jesus because of the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we want to claim that this is a time when the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of the holidays is a spirit of joy and love and peace and patience. We want to imagine that this is a time when the fruit of the spirit is borne out more fully in us and in our neighbors and in our relationships and in our communities. But the reality is often far sadder than that. The reality is that many Christians have become so caught up in the tradition of Christmas that we have abandoned the hope of the Christ in favor of tradition. We are so caught up in the comfort of what we expect, in the comfort of our routines, in the comfort of our uh, expectation of tradition, in the comfort of our knowledge and our past experiences, that we would do whatever it takes to protect that comfort. And so instead of living into the fruit of the Spirit, Instead of living into the joy and the love of the Spirit, instead of living into the gentleness and the kindness and the patience and the self-control of the Spirit, we become violent. We become aggressive and defensive. We begin to lay claim to what was never ours in the first place. It was never our love that came into the world and saved it and died for it. It was never our love that poured out the Spirit of God on all flesh. It was never our love that was present at the creation of all things. It was never our love that was the light of the world. It was never our love through whom all things came into being and in whom all things hold together. And because of that, our celebration of Christmas is not ours to defend. If in reality, if we are convinced that Christmas is about exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit because of the love of God for the world, for us, even while we were still sinners, then it is not ours to dictate. 
It is not for us to tell other people how they must celebrate these seasons. It is not for us to tell other people how they must speak about these seasons, how they must celebrate with their families and their friends, how they must spend their time and their money and their energy. It is not for us to lay claim to an entire season celebrated by people across the entire world. Is it true that some of these things have been appropriated by others? Yes. But a serious student of Scripture can see that that is true for all of Christianity as well. It was one of the big things that they argued about in early Christianity. That those who were of the Israelite people, the people of God before Christ, argued with those Gentiles who became Christians because of Christ about how things should be done. Several books of the New Testament are dedicated to these issues. That the Jewish Christians would say to the Gentile Christians, you cannot worship that way. And the Gentile Christians would say to the Jewish Christians, we don't believe what you believe. We don't worship the way you worship. And it would cause tension between them about what they could eat and what they couldn't eat. About what they could celebrate and what they couldn't celebrate. About where they could go and whose homes they could be in and where they couldn't go and whose homes they couldn't be in. It was even a point of contention in the book of Acts between the disciples, the apostles themselves. That Peter would go to Cornelius' house or that he shouldn't go to Cornelius' house. They debated and they reasoned with each other about these things because they were not clear. And so much of what we have in Christianity today is Gentile Christianity. Is not Christianity the way that the apostles would have observed it? Is not Christianity and a love for Jesus the way the apostles would have observed it? The apostles who stayed in the synagogues and met on the Sabbath days and read from the Hebrew Scriptures? Because many Gentile Christians did not have those things and did not have those customs. And Paul repeatedly tells people in his letters that you don't have to observe all of those customs. That if you can eat meat, then you should eat meat. And if you can't eat meat, then you should not eat meat. Do not sin against your own heart. Do what you believe is right for you. That if you don't think you can eat meat sacrificed to idols, then don't. And if you think that you have the freedom to do so, then do. And if you don't think you can go into this house or that house, then don't. And if you think you can go into this house or that house, then do. And more than that, he encourages people to push out of their comfort zones. That he rebukes Peter for not eating with Gentile Christians because of some other people who came and told him he wasn't supposed to. The very same Peter who went to Cornelius' house and converted an entire family and baptized them because the Spirit led him to do so. The same Peter who argued to the apostles and the council in Jerusalem that this was the way that God had opened for them was the same Peter who later decided not to eat with Gentiles because he was embarrassed. This is not new for Christianity. It is not new for Christians to think that other people are appropriating what ought to be theirs. It is not new for human beings to think this way. And yet over and over in Scripture we find a precedent. We find an M.O. of the Spirit of inspiration. That we do not cling to these old traditions simply because they are the traditions but that God moves in new and mysterious ways through all of humanity and all of history.
And so the irony about the idea of Christmas is that we pour so much of our hope and our love into this celebration, and yet we have so rooted our identity in it that we have become defensive of it. We have become become unable to see the ways our own traditions have evolved out of and away from what Christianity was in the past. And we become so uncomfortable with the idea of change that we refuse to accept this is how it has always been. That even in our celebration of Christmas, we do not do it the way they did when it was first invented. When the celebration of Christmas first came around, they did not do it the way we do it. How could they? They didn't have the world that we have. They didn't have the society that we have. And we don't have the one that they had. We don't have their communities and their cultures and their understandings of the world. We don't have their understandings of God and their theologies. What we have is new and it is good because it exemplifies our love for Christ and for God and for the Spirit and for our neighbors. It exemplifies our way of living into the fruit of of the Spirit so long as it actually bears the fruit of the Spirit. Isn't this the very sort of thing that is rebuked over and over again in the New Testament? That people are clinging to their old ways and their traditions so much that they are ignoring the needs and the plights of their neighbors? Is not the spirit of this holiday season supposed to be that we look at those less fortunate than us and those who are in need, our neighbors and our communities and our own families, and we do what we can to share what we have for them? Because if at no other time in the year, we can at least once a year try to remember what it is like to be the Good Samaritan. We can at least once a year try to remember what it was like to want to emulate the Christ in the washing of his disciples' feet, in the dying on the cross. We can at least remember that the birth of Jesus is significant because of the death and the life of Jesus. And yet it seems that even this once a year we have forgotten. We have forgotten that God is not so pleased with our altar gifts, if we are giving these gifts at the expense of our neighbor. We have forgotten the prophets who said to Jerusalem, I would rather you care for orphans and widows and foreigners than that you should show up and offer your sacrifices every day. And so many Christians in America today believe that by fighting for the traditions of this holiday season, they are pleasing to God. When in reality, it is the vain incense of their lives because it lacks the substance of the Holy Spirit. It lacks the substance of love. It lacks the substance of Jesus. So my challenge to you this week going into Christmas and really a challenge to be carried through your very lives, is that when we celebrate Christmas, it would not be in vain. It would not be with the pure vanity of just making it look like Christmas on the outside. But that we would find a way on the inside 
to truly embody what it means to be the Christ and to be Christ-like and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be filled with love and joy and patience and peace and kindness and goodness and self-control. That even if our outside looked nothing like a traditional Christmas, that on the inside it would be filled with stories like the crucifixion and the birth of Jesus and the resurrection and the good Samaritan and the good steward and all of those wonderful parables that we claim to desire to embody in our very lives. Please pray with me. Lord God, it seems like every year it becomes more and more strained to enter into this season. It seems like every year there are more and more people who are more disgruntled about other people's ways of celebrating than they are in love with the idea of the birth of Jesus. It seems like more and more every year Christians lose sight of what this celebration was supposed to embody. That we lose sight of hope, that we lose sight of love, that we lose sight of the advent of good news in the world. We lose sight of who the good news was for. We lose sight of the captive and the blind and the imprisoned. We lose sight of the poor and the foreigner and the widow and the orphan. We lose sight of what it means to do charity, and we lose sight of what it means to be in community. We lose sight of what it means to share in the story of Jesus and the love of God and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray, Lord, that more than anything else this year, that there would be some kind of opening of the hearts of Christians, that we would find a way to resign ourselves in humility to the movement of your spirit, that we would have eyes to see our neighbors and ears to hear the suffering of others, so that our rejoicing in you would not be a vain rejoicing, so that we would not rejoice only in our own knowledge, in our own freedom, in our own redemption, but that we would work together with the people around us and with all of humanity to redeem uh, the suffering and the pain that we would work to redeem the poor and the orphan and the widow and the foreigner that we would work to redeem the sick and the imprisoned so that we would work to redeem all of our communities together because otherwise we have lost out we have lost out on the meaning of anything we might have once called Christmas Draw us near to you, Lord. Watch over us and guide us into something new. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.